Investment products are not FDIC-insured, not a bank guarantee, and may lose value. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Good morning, everybody. I know everyone's focused on the midterm elections coming up, and we'll have a lot more to say about that after the results. Uh, In the meantime, I just wanted to update you quickly on a very important project that we work on every couple of years, which is a comprehensive analysis of all of the U.S. states, uh, given their unfunded pension and retiree health care obligations. It's very important to look at this kind of thing uh, because whenever public sector employees have suffered write-downs to their pensions or retiree health care, the bondholder losses have typically been worse and uh, in terms of write-downs. And so as managers of about $75 billion of municipal bonds on your behalf, um, we pay very close attention to this. And this is a -a one-of-a-kind project that I'm not aware that anybody else does. Uh, We analyze all of the 300 single and multi-employer pension defined contribution and retiree health care plans and use a variety of different investment return assumptions to figure out how large the burdens are relative to the state's ability to pay them. Uh, And the bottom line is that most states have ratios that are pretty manageable, uh, but they're not the ones issuing all the debt. Uh, There are a few states with very severe problems, uh, and, and typically they're the ones that are issuing more of the general obligation debt. And um, I participated in a seminar at the Harvard's Kennedy School last year, and there was a lot of discussion about how at one point the U.S. should use the PROMESA legislation for Puerto Rico as a dry run for creating state-level bankruptcy rules just in case since those rules don't exist today. And um, I think that makes a lot of sense. The primary chart that captures the results from all the project is is the one that appears, I think, on the uh, on the entry into this podcast, uh, and is the lead chart in the uh, in the file itself from the eye in the market we published. And it looks at how much states are currently paying as a percentage of their revenues to take care of these problems, and how much they would have to pay, assuming a six percent return on assets over the long run, uh, and amortizing all the shortfalls over around thirty years. And to get a sense for the stress for a handful of states, you know, and we can pick the usual suspects like Illinois, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, um, you, there's three primary ways to solve the funding gap. One is you can increase tax revenues. Um, the second is you can have public sector workers increase their own contributions. And the third one is to make is to somehow the state uh, pension fund managers would have to achieve astronomical high returns for every year for 30 years in order to close the gap. So, for example, Illinois is already spending 25% of of all of its government revenues on pension-related issues. That would have to arrive to an absurd 50%. And, and stay there for 30 years in order for them to, to solve this problem. They could alternatively, they could increase, um, and to solve that gap, they would have to either increase tax revenues by 25%, increase worker contributions 700%, or achieve an 11.5% compound return on their pension assets. Um, all of those things are either from a market perspective or a political perspective, I don't think, uh, achievable. And so that's why we pay very, very close attention. Uh, table one summarizes those options in terms of tax revenues, 
worker contribution increases and required returns on the pension and uh, retiree health care assets in order to solve the problem. And you can get a sense for which states face the most difficult challenges. There's a couple of things the states can do. They can adjust the uh, cost of living adjustments on pensions, but most have already done that. Um, they, can, they can't adjust pensions once they're accrued, but they can make ongoing changes to their retiree health care plans. And many states have made large changes over the last couple of years. Uh, we analyze the impact of those and make further arbitrary 33% reductions to those liabilities just to see what would happen. And for the most part, um, our, our estimates of fiscal stress are unchanged because the retiree health care obligations are generally uh, a lot smaller than the unfunded pension obligations. And so in the piece, we take a close look at um, a bunch of different scenario analyses here, but um, I think this is something we have to pay very close attention to, uh, particularly given the fact that municipal bonds tend to represent the safe harbor of a lot of client portfolios. Now, to be clear, we're talking here about the risks related to general obligation exposures in some of these weaker states. Uh, our asset managers do sometimes invest there if they can find credits that don't have any exposure to the state retirement system. You know, for example, Northwestern Memorial Healthcare in Illinois or Princeton University in New Jersey or some separate legal entities that have segregated revenues uh, may still look interesting in some of the problem states, but they have to be analyzed very carefully. So uh, take a look at the report. Um, There are some supplementary materials that review all sorts of issues on special funding situations, how quickly uh, plans can run out of money, the, the history of why these public plan funding ratios were in good shape in 2000 and are generally in such bad shape today. Uh, some history on the case of New Jersey, which is illustrative, um, and the full results table for all 50 states. So um, good to talk to everybody and uh, expect to hear from us next time after the midterm elections, which, uh, which should be pretty interesting. As a bit of a preview of the midterms itself, uh, remember this. We had a chart right after Labor Day that looked at the history of the last 100 years of midterm elections. And while generally the president's party loses seats, the larger losses are associated with times when either the labor markets were in bad shape or the stock markets were in bad shape or both. Uh, when labor markets and stock markets have been in good shape, the losses have generally been, generally been in single digits. Uh, in terms of number of seats in the House. So going into this uh, uh, election, uh, one would think, based on the economic and market data, that the Republicans would control the House. And if they don't, uh, it would be a pretty clear repudiation of of the White House and its strategies, approaches, and uh, and a bunch of other things that you can you can imagine. So uh, we will take a, a close look at this because um, we're focused on any potential changes to what has so far been a mostly pro-business agenda uh, at, in the White House and how, if in any way, that might change um, after the midterms. I've been asked to say one more thing by our marketing team. This Eye on the Market podcast will soon be available on Amazon Alexa and Google Home with the release of my next podcast episode, Watch Out for More Information. I'm not sure exactly what that means, although I think what it means is that if you're at a party or visiting in-laws and you're really bored, you could sneak into the kitchen and uh, and ask some device to start to read the eye on the market to you, which is, a, I think, a huge 
boost for U.S. productivity. All right. See you next time. Bye. Michael Semblist's Eye on the Market offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. Michael Semblist is the chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments Incorporated, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as a solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information, which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com disclaimer eo2.